Christ is ascended. <laughs> Christ is ascended. That's it. Well done. All right. Well, uh, you, if you're wondering, just at the beginning, if you're wondering where Father Nicholas is this morning, because the bishop's here, he had to take another priest from another church in St. Uh, St. Mary's, and Father Nicholas had to go to St. Mary's to take the service there. So he needed, because uh, Father George Ness is still not very, very well, unfortunately. So we're on our own today. So today I have four points. I'm sorry, it should be three, but I got four, but some of them aren't very long. Up to, into, agreed to, and onto. Can you remember that? All right. So we start with up to heaven. This week we had one of the major feasts of the Orthodox Church, the Ascension. In the early church it was a bigger feast than Christmas uh, because it's such, it's, a, it's a, such theological implications of the Ascension. Jesus went up to heaven. Uh, he, did, he didn't just go up himself, but he took us with him. He took our nature with him. And at the right hand of God now is Jesus with our nature, our fallen nature. He has reunited us with God again. He's made it possible for us to have union with God. This is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, and, and this should bring us great joy to know that our nature, our human nature, our fallen human nature, which we struggle with all through our lives, is at the right hand of God. And there's some implications here for us when we think about this theologically. At the right hand of God, there's not a yellow-bellied bellied parrot or, um, or, what? or a lion or anything else. There's only the human nature there. No other nature is there. And this, has great, this shows us that our culture is different to the Christian way of life. If you take and destroy a yellow-bellied parrot egg, you can be fined. I'm not sure if you can put, be put in prison, but there's a hefty fine because you've taken the life of that yellow-bellied parrot. But if you want to, if you're a woman and you want to get rid of your baby, the government will help you. What does that tell you? That tells you that what we believe as Christians is different to what our society is believing. And we have to be very much aware of that. Human beings are special. We are a special part of God's creation. When he created us in Genesis, man was the last thing that he created. We are special. Does that make you joyful? It should. It should. Because we are joyful. Uh, we should be joyful because we are special. That's good news. Uh, another thing, I, something that disturbed me this week, I had to take Janet for an uh, appointment. Um, and on the uh, desk or the ledge in front of the receptionist, there was a file. And it was in big print along it. It said, transgender referrals. And I looked into it, and there were, there were lots and lots of pages in there. And I thought, goodness me, what is going on with our culture? This is one medical um, practitioner in town with a file for gender transition um, referrals. This is another thing. 
When we look at how God has created us, the, the scriptures tell us that from the womb, he, he was creating us from the womb. Um, and he decided you know, what was going to happen there, whether we were going to be male or female. And if you feel like you want to be a, you're a female and you want to be a male, or you're a male and you want to be a female, get used to it. Because God has created this. He's created you this way. And this is the best thing for you. It is. Now, nowadays, we can't... Parents, you need to talk about... You need to talk to your children now. Children, you need to be listening about this because they'll be talking to you about this at school. And you need to know that God created you and he created you very special. And he created you either a girl or a boy. And that's the way... He wanted you to be, and he wants you to be for the rest of your life. Does that give you great joy? So don't listen to anybody else trying to tell you anything confusing. The law now tells us that I can't tell you to change. If you want to change, I can't tell you to change back to normal again. So what I'm trying to get out to parents now is tell your children early about this, that they are special, God's created them this way, and Jesus took our human nature up to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. And we need to know this. We, the clergy have actually been talking about this, how we can help the parents to get this sorted out in their own minds and in their children's minds because we're facing some very challenging days in our culture these days. One last thing I want to say about the ascension before we move on to the next point. Um, and I discovered this as I was preparing uh, it struck me, um, they said, when Jesus ascended into heaven, it said they were gathered around him, and they were very happy, but some doubted. Have you ever wondered about that? I've always wondered about that. <laughs> but then I realized that he commissioned them anyway. He said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations. And I'm with you always. I have all authorities been given to me. So it didn't matter that they doubted. He didn't look at their head knowledge. He looked at their hearts. He could see their hearts were leaning towards him, even though they had some doubts. So he commissioned them anyway and sent them out into the world. And they changed the world. They turned the world upside down. So some of us may be not 100% sure about this, that, and the other. We're working, walking by faith. This is what walking by faith is all about. We don't know everything for sure. But God still has called us. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. He has called us to serve him, to follow him, and to do his will in this world. And to do it with great joy. And that's important because the next point is into the flock. Because St. Paul, in his epistle, talks about wolves coming into the flock. Now, if there's wolves outside the flock, the shepherds are worried. But if a wolf gets into the flock, that's really serious. <laughs> and what St. Paul is talking about is wolves coming into the, the sheep of Christ, into his precious flock. And this happened, has happened all through the centuries. It's happened today. Why do you think the Western Church has gone kind of downhill a lot? Why have they come up with these, some crazy ideas which we've never seen for 2,000 years? The wolves have got into the flock and they've changed things. And we have to watch that too as Orthodox. And thank God the church has managed to hold itself together 
over the 2,000 years. But why has it done that? How has it managed to do this? Um, and I want to talk about that in a moment. A bit of background, though. Wolves came into the flock. And how, how, do, how does the church cope with this? I want to talk about Constantine this morning because we're, we're remembering the first uh, the fathers of the first ecumenical council very important council in 325 but the background to that council is very interesting and uh, we should think about it in October 312 Constantine who was one of the emperors in the Roman Empire faced a battle with Maximilian Maxentius sorry uh, and the night before this battle, the two emperors were going to fight it out as to who was going to be the top emperor. Uh, Constantine saw a cross in the sky. And he, um, it's been passed down to us that also Jesus visited him. And uh, the next day, you know, he had all his soldiers paint crosses on their shields and everything. And they went into battle under the, name, under the banner of Christ and they won the battle. And Constantine, for the rest of his life, never, ever lost his gratitude to Jesus for helping him to become the emperor of the Roman Empire. He never did that. Some people will tell you, oh, he only did, he only did what he did for political reasons, but I, I think that he genuinely uh, followed Christ. He genuinely uh, was grateful to Christ for, for everything and um, was faithful to him to the end of his life. But once he'd... Uh, but then, of course, he, um, he uh, passed a... Uh, so, uh, sorry. He passed an edict, Milan, Edict of Milan in 312, 313, where Christianity became legal for the first time, which was a big step forward because they'd been persecuted before that. But not long, it wasn't long before he begin, began to realise this wasn't going to be an easy journey with the church. And some of you may have heard of a man called Donatus, um, who was a, became a bishop in North Africa. And before he was even a bishop, he was writing to the, to the emperor, the new emperor, saying, uh, you've got to get rid of this bishop and that bishop because they're not really correct. And, and he was bothering the bishop. He was bothering Constantine. Constantine called him across, said, come across to Rome and we'll have a council. And they had a, uh, they had a panel of bishops, and the bishop said, no, Donatus is wrong. So, but he, but he, wouldn't, he wouldn't compromise. Compromise was not in his vocabulary. And um, he eventually escaped, went back to North Africa, and caused mayhem in North Africa. And we have a group called the Donatists. So I won't go into the details, but you can look it up if you want. It's all in the history books. And they caused mayhem, dividing the church. And then... In 314, another thing rose up in Alexandria where the Arians, Arius, uh, started coming up with these theological ideas that Jesus wasn't God. He was less than God. And, and Constantine, you can just imagine Constantine over his breakfast reading about this going, oh no, what do I do now? Anyway, he realized that this was a very serious problem. And he called all the bishops from right across from Mesopotamia, right up to Britain. 318, Athanasius tells us, came from all over the world and gathered in Nicaea. Nicaea wasn't a Christian city. And I think Constantine did that deliberately 
because um, it wasn't a power base for the church. It was just, it was really uh, one of his centers of um, authority. And he welcomed them all personally in great uh, joy, uh, array um, with a little bit of menace, perhaps. <laughs> I don't know. So we've got to get this sorted out, guys. So they all came together and um, they agreed to the creed. This is the third point agreed to the creed. It took them a month. It took them a month of debate and arguing and even St. Nicholas slapped uh, uh, Arius on the face and was kind of kicked out but came back in again. So all sorts of things were going on there. Um, it was really full on. When Constantine welcomed them, he said to them, he said this, more dangerous than war and other conflicts Disputes within the church bring more grief than anything else. That was what he said in his introduction to the bishops. He realized that this division amongst the church was a huge problem. These wolves in the church can really destroy the church. So he managed to get them to agree to the creed, which we're going to say shortly. Uh, certainly the first part was agreed at uh, Nicaea. The second part on the Holy Spirit was agreed at Ephesus later, a bit later on. And this has kept the church together for 2,000 years. It's amazing. It is amazing. Only, some people think that only a Roman administrator with the experience of someone like Constantine could have pulled this off with all those bishops there. The problem with Christians is that you know, we, we, we see something in the scriptures or whatever, and we think, ah, God has spoken to me, and this is the truth. But you over there, you read something else, and you think God's spoken to you, and so we've got two different ideas. And this is how in the Western church we've got 40,000 denominations, whereas we've still got the one Orthodox church. And a lot of it, I think, we can lay at the feet of Constantine and of those early church fathers at the First Ecumenical Council. And that's why we honor them every year for what they did uh, in 325 in Nicaea. Aren't you glad that they did that? Now, for some of us, uh, some who are coming into the, into the church, um, you might be struggling over some things. Um, when I came in, I, the last thing I struggled with, I was very, very much drawn into the Orthodox Church, but the last thing I struggled with as an evangelical Anglican was Mary. Couldn't work out what to do with Mary. Uh, you know, we read about Mary. She's in the Bible and everything. But um, I was struggling. How, you know, what do we... <laughs> anyway. In the end, somebody explained to me, the question behind all your questions is, is this the true church? Because if it's the true church, then its teachings are true. Yes? And, so, and then I, I thought about that, and I thought, yeah, that's right. I accept it. I accept that the church has struggled over the centuries to work out what's right and what's wrong. I don't have to work this out myself. And this is why the Protestants have got 40,000 denominations, because everybody individually thinks they've got to work out what's the truth themselves. Whereas what we have to do is we accept the tradition that's been passed down to us. 
which the, um, the early church fathers and others and theologians have struggled with over the centuries. And there's been, I mean, there's one book written about all this, all these um, uh, councils and so on, was called The Jesus Wars. I mean, they were fighting over it. They were cutting tongues out. They were killing people. It was unbelievable. But the Holy Spirit guided them to the conclusions that they arrived at. And all we have to do is to accept those and move on in faith. So we thank God for the early church councils and uh, for, for Constantine and for um, those early church fathers. I, for one, want to be a part of that one holy apostolic Catholic church. And I think I found it in the Orthodox Church. Uh, I could have, when I left the Anglican Church, I could have gone off to one of the continuing Anglican churches. There's plenty of them. The reason there's plenty of them is because they start off and then they disagree and they, they form two continuing Anglican churches with slightly different names. I thought, no, I don't want to go into more splinters. I want to go back. I want unity. I want to be part of the one holy Catholic apostolic church. So that's why I moved back to the Orthodox Church rather than forward to another splinter group. And I hope you're all happy to do that too. So I came home, I believe. So we've had up to heaven, the ascension, into the flock, the wolves or the heretics, agreed to the creed, which has been unchanged for 2,000 years now. And the last thing is, on to Pentecost. Um, St. Paul said in his epistle this morning, he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. And that's where we're going. Next Sunday will be Pentecost. So uh, we're looking forward already to Pentecost. And of course, Jesus could not have sent the Holy Spirit unless he'd gone to heaven. Uh, he, uh, if he was still in Jerusalem today, we'd all be, I mean, the whole world would go, we'll be wanting to go to Jerusalem and the world would go off balance. Okay, so he went to heaven where he's safely there at the right-hand side of God and he sent the Holy Spirit who is everywhere. He is with each one of us. He's with each church service this morning. He's all around the world. And this is amazing. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And this has all happened as a result of the ascension. So um, may we all experience the joy that comes to us knowing that our fallen human nature is at the right hand of God and that he is going, he's going I should say, going to send us his Holy Spirit to help us next week. We want to, don't want to miss that service, do we? May God bless you all. May God help us all to really grasp this truth so that we can experience the joy that he wants us to joy, to enjoy. Amen. Now to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit be ascribed all majesty, dominion and praise now and forever and the ages of ages. Amen.